0: You know I think one of the things we can learn from from earlier waves of activism and social movements is that when we when when folks don't prioritize their own healing journeys we can end up you know kind of falling back into patterns of harm and patterns of, of violence even right so I think that there's something about trying to kind of navigate that tension between the personal and the collective so how can we kind of make this work sustainable and also like enact you know, the change that we want to see, right? Not be living in terms of, okay, someday when the revolution comes, but like, no, like let's, let's live our values today. Welcome to Intuitive
1: Wellness, a podcast where I, Samara, and my partner, Lali, talk about relating to our bodies, identities, and oppressive systems, and share the tools that are working for us and our guests.
2: This show is for witchy, introspective activists who struggle with trying to heal all the shit in their lives and in the world. If you believe that healing yourself is activism, you're in the right place. Welcome, everyone. Hello, Carissa. It's so great to have you with us today. Um, yeah, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, my name is Carissa Butler-Wall, and um, I am at Another World Coaching. So I am a holistic life coach. I'm also an academic, kind of. <laughs> Um, So I am really interested in kind of bringing a critical lens from my background in um, feminist studies, disability studies, um, critical ethnic studies, sort of into conversation with um, neuroscience-based coaching and then also more of a um, spiritual tarot inspired lens so that's kind of how I how I approach coaching and um, yeah I work um, with folks one-on-one and I also run some group programs um, and other offerings so yeah
1: um, oh my God, I love all the multidisciplinaryness <laughs> that is you. We are both pretty multidisciplinary and also like half academic kind of people. So I feel like those are just generally the people that we attract into our world. And it's so lovely to be like seeing that in you too. Um, another just like silly question that we like to ask folks at the beginning is what is something that you're excited about right now? This can be like related to coaching or just in general in your life.
0: Yeah, I am um at this moment. Uh I just finished up my academic semester and I'm sort of starting the summer. And this is the first time that I'm actually not doing academic work during the summer. So I'm really excited about that. I'm just spending a lot of time doing um doing cool coaching stuff, doing some programs. I'm I'm about to start uh the artist's way. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm um I'm excited to kind of get to do some more creative stuff and and have a little bit of yeah, just like time to explore. I just bought myself some watercolor paints. So, I don't I haven't done that since I was a child, but I'm just kind of like ready to ready to, you know, have some time off and and explore some cool creative stuff
1: love that. And so, okay, that's actually helpful for me and I'm sure for the audience. So you are actively in academia now and you are simultaneously being an academic and being a coach. Okay. God
0: is <laughs> trying to do that anyway.
1: <laughs> I think it's so awesome that you're able to not be academic-y over the summer. I feel like I've never had a summer Outside of like, I've never been actively in academia, and then had a summer that wasn't
2: dedicated to academia. That's true. I always felt the pressure too. Yeah. Oh, it's
0: huge! It's and I think that there's this perception that academics get the summer off, and it's like, huh. lol.
1: <laughs> uh, there are no breaks. It is a twelve month job. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I'm really fortunate. My academic position is we have a union for faculty and we have a nine month contract. And so it's legit, you know, we we're not on the clock and they can't really ask us to do anything um over the summer. So that is yeah, that's a bonus. And I also opted um out of the tenure track career. So my position's non tenure track. So that's also I'm not I'm not under public you know publishing pressure and all that that many of my friends are facing
1: <laughs> that sounds amazing i feel like if you're going to be an academic like that's the way yeah. to do it and also have like a sense of self and like work life balance if that's a thing that exists and just <laughs> i i like the way you're doing it
0: <laughs> it's yeah it's it's been a it's been a big transformation and for me it's been for the best i'm yeah i'm, I'm very happy to actually have my
1: life back a little bit <laughs> Okay, so in light of all of this, how did you end up in coaching as well? Like, what was, <laughs> what was that path like?
0: Yeah, so um, it has to do with, with being, um, coming out of grad school, I, I got a degree in American studies, which is a very interesting field, but not necessarily, you know, a lot of jobs out there <laughs> in that, um, especially.
1: Society,
0: so I, I feel yes, yes. <laughs> um and you know I I sort of had a vision that I wanted to do the research thing and you know do this tenure track thing I had a vision of you know teaching at some like liberal arts college and having it be really magical and you know I spent five years on the market bouncing around postdocs and visiting positions and um And I just was really miserable, you know, and throughout that whole process, I was supposed to be turning my dissertation into a book. I had zero interest in that at all. I was like, I never want to see this document again in my life. (laughs) And, um, and I was, I was just, you know, I was pretty depressed. I didn't know what else to do. I think a lot of times in academia, you're surrounded by other academics and you don't, nobody knows anything else, right? Nobody has any other (laughs) ideas of what you can do. So I ended up finally, um, I was like, okay, I don't know. How to figure out what to do with my life? I guess I'm gonna try this thing called life coaching, even though it sounds super. You know, I'm very skeptical of it. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's real. Um, I literally googled feminist life coach uh, and found this amazing person. Okay, and
1: okay. I was like, I don't know how that's gonna go, but
2: cool.
0: yeah, yeah. So I, I I ended up working with um with a coach for um for. Several years. We actually just I stopped working with her recently. And it was really transformative. You know, like I went in just in like a very kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I kind of hate academia, but also I think that's the only thing I'm, you know, have any qualifications to do. Like, what else can I possibly do? Right. Like being an artist isn't really a career. Being an activist isn't really a career. Like, what do you, you know, what do you do? Um, and it was. It was really really you know like i don't I, I, it sounds funny i feel like when i talk about this story because it's like i'm like yeah, it was just transformative but i really actually went from being just like feeling so constrained and you know like i had no idea how to take control of my life to sort of being like oh actually i was operating under all these assumptions that are not actually true the reason I'm miserable is that what I'm doing is not really in alignment with my, what my values are and what I really care about. And once I am able, was able to sort of like do some of those big shifts in my brain, I was like, oh, actually, I don't think I want a tenure track job. I don't think I want a research career. I don't want to spend my time writing articles that go on JSTOR that no one will ever read, right? Like, <laughs> you know for those who do that, great work, but I was like, that's not, that's not my calling. Um, and I think that it also, you know, grad school is a time where I think we get kind of beat down and don't necessarily have a lot of um, confidence or belief in ourselves, right? During that period where you're just kind of like having to prove yourself to everyone. And so I think that was the other thing that coaching really brought me was this idea of like, oh, right. I am actually a person that has something to offer in the world. And if I can figure out what that is, then I can potentially make a difference. And, you know, and I've always been, I've always cared about social justice. I, when I was younger, I thought I was going to like, you know, go work in a nonprofit. Then I got very disillusioned with the nonprofit industrial complex, you know, the usual. (laughs) So, um, so then, you know, after a while, when I was working with this coach and You know i was kind of like okay well coaching is actually really cool turns out i was wrong um and i was like i also feel like i know a lot of people that would really benefit from this right like i know a lot of other people who are kind of trapped in academia or just other places where they don't really know what they're doing um so i i was like you know what let me let me give this a shot and i i decided to go through this training program and got this certification um, and then started working with people. And I loved it. I was just like, this is amazing. I It's really fulfilling work. You get to like, you know, see people's lives changing <laughs> in really amazing ways. And, you know, it's, it's not, one of the things I love about coaching is that, you know, the idea is that everybody actually has the answers within themselves, right? Like I'm not telling people what to do. I'm not coming in and being like, here's what you should do, right? It's more like, just sort of asking questions that help people get to the place where they see the things that they need to see. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what happened. And then ironically, I was sort of like, at the moment I was ready to cut ties with academia and walk away. I ended up getting this job opportunity. Um, and I was like, okay, well I do like teaching. I'm going to keep doing that. That means I can kind of work on the coaching thing and let it develop as it, as it will. So, so yeah, so I'm kind of doing both right now, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens.
2: So it's really inspiring to see you being able to do both. Um, I'm curious if you would be able to share like how you found your coach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I literally just Googled (laughs) feminist life coach Seattle because that's where I was living at the time. Um, And, you know, a couple of things popped up and a lot of coaches will do a free consultation with you, you know, so you can kind of get to know them. And, um, and the person that I found was, uh, yeah, I just felt like a good vibe. You know, I was like, okay, this, you know, she had also had a situation where she had had a career and then left it and then changed careers. And, you know, cause I was kind of like, I need somebody who understands this and um, she wasn't an academic, but like, it seemed like there were enough similarities. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, coaching is a large industry and there are, you know, I'm not saying every coach is (laughs) great, but I think that there, if you're able to find a connection with somebody who, who you, you know, you can kind of trust them and, and feel like they understand where you're at and, and understand what you're, what you're trying to do. Um, that can be great. And I know, you know, I know other people that have, that have found similar, um, you know, word of mouth, I mean, referrals. I think that's that's one of the easiest ways. Because um, yeah, so a lot of it is very corporate, you know, and that's like not what I'm about. And part of what I am interested in is I'm like, you know, coaching is this really cool tool. And right now the most of the people who have access to it are like corporate executives, right? It's like, okay, well, great for them. But what about everybody else who needs it, right? And what about all the people who are like, trying to like do good shit in the world and, you know, they could also use this, right? Um, So I think that was, you know, going into it, I was kind of like, all right, I want to figure out how to use some of these tools, but also again, bring a really critical perspective. You know, my focus is on providing coaching to primarily like folks who are doing social justice work of some sort um, in order to kind of support that, that work more broadly.
1: I love that. Okay. And so one of the questions that we had like prepared to ask you, we go off script all the time, but one of the things that we had prepared was how do you see life coaching as a form of social justice work? And it seems like you've already started to touch on that. So if you want to just like dig into that, that would be awesome.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the reasons I really love your podcast is because I feel like you're really talking about how, you know, wellness and you know kind of healing is a form of social justice and so to me I think you know I think coaching is is actually kind of healing work in a way right I mean it's it's not coming at it from a therapeutic approach but it's really about you know a lot of us have these internal and or societal you know barriers um, we have imposter syndrome right we have um, people telling us that we, can't achieve what we want to achieve, right? We, we have all of these things. And, and I guess to me, bringing coaching in as a tool to kind of help people work through that stuff and help them become more kind of effective, right. In, in what they're doing, like my little tagline is personal evolution in service of the revolution. (laughs) And I think that that's part of it too, right? Like you know i think one of the things we can learn from from earlier waves of activism and social movements is that when we when when folks don't prioritize their own healing journeys we can end up you know kind of falling back into patterns of harm and patterns of of violence even right so i think that there's something about trying to kind of navigate that tension between the personal and the collective you know not to go into the just like you know, self-care industry, it's all just for you, right? But in what way, like I know that for me, being able to feel resourced and to have my needs met and to be able to, you know, come to the table with my shit taken care of kind of, right? is, Is able to make me more effective. And I feel like that's true for everyone, right? So, and especially activists, I think are, you know, often really burned out really you know up against a lot of challenges and so how can to me like coaching is a tool that can kind of help people navigate those spaces and and keep them resourced so that they can keep fighting right because that's we don't want to just like have everybody burn out (laughs) and then give up right so so how can we kind of make this work sustainable and also like enact you know, the change that we want to see, right? Not be living in terms of, okay, someday when the revolution comes, but like, no, like let's, let's live our values today. You know, that's really, you know, one of the things that I try to work with clients on is, you know, what are your values? Where in your life are you in alignment with them and where are you not? Right. And how can we look at that and try to bring those things together? Because I think that is, that's when we're feeling most fulfilled, when we're feeling most happy, when we're actually, you know, living that right now. And, the future is great, but like, what about the present? You know, and how can we kind of make changes that um, will benefit us and then also have a wider ripple effect?
2: Definitely. Um, I guess I'm I'm curious if um, that's something you ever struggled with, like burnout in in the social justice field, and like how you navigated that. And feel comfortable to be in a space where you can share some of that experience and knowledge.
0: Yeah, I was, um, I did a lot of activism, like as a young person um, in high school and in college. And I think that that was um, really found formative for me in a lot of ways. Um, but it, it was a difficult process. And I think that there was kind of a, I don't know, I don't want to use the word term martyr exactly, but I feel like there was sort of a lot of pressure on like, we have to give everything, right? Like you need to like put your body on the front lines. And if you can't stay up all night to get this thing done, like, you you know, you're not in it really. And, and that was, you know, I did that for a while. And then I was kind of like, this is, this isn't sustainable. You know, like this is not, um, and there was, there was very little emphasis, I think, on, on people sort of doing their own healing journeys, right? Like that, that was, and this was, you know, this was like in the early 2000s. Um, and I think that there's been more development of kind of more discourse around it since then. But, um, you know, it, what I would notice is that like in the organizations that I was working in, you know, in the groups that I was working with, there would be, interpersonal dynamics and things like that that just wouldn't get addressed because nobody really had the ability to do it um and I think that that like a lot of people did burn out and you know I think that in some way in some ways that's why I ended up going to grad school you know because I was kind of like well I still care about the world but I can't figure out a way to sort of do this work sustainably and make a living so i'll like study it and that'll be good right <laughs> and, um and i think that happens to a lot of people a lot of my friends you know are huge you know care a lot about social justice and end up in the academy partly because it's just you know capitalism doesn't want to pay us to do activism um and yeah, I one of the one of my clients that I was working with earlier this year is is somebody who's both an activist and an and an academic and you know a lot of our work was around healthy boundaries, right? And and figuring out, you know, you, how do you put on your own oxygen mask first? You know, there's there's so much urgency in the world, there's so much going on at any given time and yet we're not gonna. We're not gonna have anything to give if we are not like taking care of ourselves, right? And I think that our um, culture and society don't necessarily prioritize that, right? Unless it's like spa day or whatever, right? Like unless we're paying money <laughs> to to do that. So, you know, yeah, I think I think that my, um, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't exactly describe myself as an, as an activist anymore because I'm not actively like in a particular organization, even though I obviously do like support many things that are happening, but I do feel sort of like both my teaching work is very activist in terms of what I teach. And then, you know, I feel like this, this form of trying to kind of use the skills that I have as a coach and, and help people to um help people to kind of, you know, work toward whatever their goals are right like my the people who usually come find me are people who have similar values and and who are kind of interested in social justice um so you know that that feels like a contribution i guess um that feels like sort of what i'm being called to do at this time which might change but yeah i
1: feel like that's one of the things that like I have called it a martyr complex, Um, but I know that, like, that word can also be very triggering. Like, You know, want to be respectful of what words make the most sense for everyone. Um, But I feel like that's something that also drove me into coaching and tarot and, like, all the support that I provide for people. And I was, like, at at least a year ago, very clear, like, I only want to niche and help people who are interested in, like, dismantling things and not, like, have general conversations with people about where they're going in life like this is the thing mm-hmm. I care about and it's really beautiful to see that you are like y- you have a very clear way of articulating that line and for me it was very messy and very like because I had a business and I was helping people like across all walks of life I guess and I was like how do I explain that this is the thing that I wanted to do. <laughs> um and it just I I love how clearly you articulated that so
0: thank you well and part of it too is right like we have to make a living you know and I feel like you know I am privileged that I have this I have a for now stable-ish <laughs> job that like allows me to be like okay I only want to work with people x y and z but you know that's also for people trying to like hustle and create a business you know um I think yeah figuring out like okay who am I serving and how and th- is that going to be sustainable for me too right is sometimes takes a while to navigate those those different questions.
1: Um, I guess the last thing we have I'm a tarot nerd um, and the beginning of my business was all about tarot and so of course, I want to know how tarot plays a role in your business. And then I know you also do some stuff with astrology and just in general, like how does your spiritual practice inform your coaching?
0: Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. Um, yeah, I actually discovered tarot only like a few years ago. It was kind of at the same moment that I was, you know, my life felt like it was crashing down. It was a very tower moment. Um, of course, in retrospect, I understand, (laughs) And, um, and it really, um, I had been into astrology for a while, but I feel like there was something about tarot where, I don't know, just like working with the different archetypes and being able to kind of see how they mirrored my life and being like, oh, right. I am in the tower. Okay. And then comes the star and I need to be in this process of healing. And then like, oh, wait, then I'm in the moon and I don't know what is happening. And everything is super like, you know, um, murky maybe um yeah it really just resonated a lot and i felt like and it was interesting because at the same time that i was sort of learning about these much more like neuroscience based coaching techniques that are not very woo um i was like well at the same time you know in terms of asking people to think about things in a different way i mean that's basically what neuroscience based coaching does and that's also what tarot does right it's like okay you're, you have an issue in your life, like, look at this card. How does this help you think about it in a new way? And so it, it really actually felt very similar to me in terms of what I was trying to provide. And so it kind of felt like a natural, um, yeah, I don't know, it just sort of came together. So I, I'm still kind of in the process of, of figuring out how those things work. But what I I offered my first um, tarot-inspired coaching program in January that was really cool. And um, we went through the first eight uh, cards in the major arcana and sort of took each of those archetypes as an opportunity to then do some coaching exercises, do some reflection around them. Um, And yeah, I think it was, you know, it felt really powerful as as a kind of way to give give a little bit more of a container you know sometimes i think one thing with coaching can be it can be a little bit nebulous and all over the place right and i feel like having a little bit more of a structure and saying okay we're going to look at like you know what is happening in the high priestess and what's happening with your intuition and like let's talk about that and then like okay let's look at what's happening with the lovers and let's look at your relationship with self-love and you know let's look at that and and being able to kind of um, bring all of these things together yeah, it it um I think it was I think it was really effective and and it's something where I'm you know in coaching sessions I sometimes will use tarot cards or archetypes um depending you know if if clients are into it or not but most people who find me are into tarot. <laughs> um and and I think that it's yeah um I just you know our society is so into like mind body dualism and separating out the intellectual from everything else. And I, I've never found that to be helpful. You know, I don't think that that's, that's not the world I want to live in. And so I think trying to bring in, you know, just a more holistic approach and, you know, when you're working with somebody, it's like you're working with their whole self. Right. And so, so what is the embodied component? Like, the somatic component what's the spiritual component um and i think too working with you know it's interesting working with academics i recently had a chance to give a tarot reading to um one of my undergraduate professors which was just like such a beautiful experience you know and it was like oh wow here's somebody who i've only i sort of engaged with at this intellectual level um and then who was like you know what like i could use some guidance from the universe and I was like yes great um so I think that I think people are craving that right now you know like I feel like we are in I don't know I mean I think one of the things that's happening globally and in the U.S. right now is that there's kind of a spiritual crisis and you know people I think the rise in like you know witchy stuff and various forms of you know holistic healing practices and all that is a response and you know a lot of us are just kind of trying to figure that out like I was actually raised in a very atheist household and there was really no um discussion of of anything spiritual so that's also kind of my journey I feel like right now is trying to kind of unlearn some of that and and figure out how to be open to you know what's going on energetically how can I bring that into my work without losing the intellectual component, right? But um, yeah, I think that there's, you know, yeah, there's just something magical. I don't know about, about, about these tools, right. And about tarot. Um, I've never had an experience where someone's just like, oh, that's weird. I don't get it. Right. Like inevitably, right. It's, it's just like, oh, wow. Like this somehow resonates and I'm like okay great you know if it resonates awesome that's what I'm here that's what I'm here for (laughs) if it's helpful like great take it if it's not leave it
2: I mean I think I could totally resonate with the idea of like a spiritual crisis and like you know I think I see that trend with the youth that I work with um like yeah, I think people are just looking for a way to connect with each other, with the world in some way. It seems like if we can find like any tools that are helping us with that, you know, and that are not like um what's the word? Like bypassing yes. the intellectual, like, you know, um, understanding of structural oppression, I feel like people are really in need of that. Yeah. So thank you for what you do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I really resonate with what you were saying, Lali, about the sense of, like, um, and what you were saying, too, this dichotomy, this false dichotomy between, like, the mind and, like, the body, but also the mind and, like, the spiritual, um, and I think as people who are, like, intellectual and also very much, like, invested in spiritual health and spiritual well-being, it is so, uh, for me, it has felt like such a... um, A reckoning with myself and I don't know if that's something that you've experienced too but I feel like when I found tarot I was still very much like living my life only cerebrally and it seemed like there was an expectation that I would like completely abandon anything cerebral and then just go to like my tarot cards make all of my decisions for me and I was there like I did that and I feel like it's now coming back around where I'm like okay it doesn't have to be a binary like I personally acknowledge that binaries are not helpful ever Um, and I can see how I have been like living under this binary of like either I am a cerebral person or I'm a spiritual person and one has to always be better than the other you know.
0: Totally no that makes that really resonates with me and I think yeah, there it's, it's the binary is just like so powerful. We, it's so hard to get away from it. And, um and I think that, yeah, there is something about, you know, how can we, I mean, ultimately like when we're channeling our intuition or spirit or whatever it is, right. We're still working with our mind. And um to me, like the sword suit is really helpful with that. Right. Cause I just feel like it's like acknowledging that there is going to be this, you know, there is going to be a tension between, um, you know, especially the limbic system and the parts of our brain that are very like motivated to survival kind of survival brain. And then the parts of us that are more geared toward evolution and, you know, expansion. Um, And the, you know, yeah, I don't think the answer is like one or the other, right? Like we have to kind of we have to engage with both of them. And and as Lolly was saying, we don't want to do a kind of a bi- bypassing thing and just abandon critical thinking <laughs> if we're we're like, oh, well, it's my intuition said this. Like, okay. It's like, no, you still need to problematize that, right? We still are operating within these structures um, that we need to engage with critically. But at the same time, yeah, I think a lot of us grew up with just, you know, we're in our heads all the time and we don't we don't understand that there's another source of wisdom, you know, and I think that for me learning how to tap into that and to realize, Oh yeah, there's, you know, there's stories that are happening in my brain and those are not necessarily the same as like the path I should be following. Right. And, and, and the kind of the goal is to, is to be navigating, you know, one of the, one of the most powerful lessons I think, and, I think I credit Lindsay Mack with kind of teaching me this lesson is it, sort of that, you know, with expansion comes contraction inevitably. And so, you know, a lot of the time when our, you know, our brains are kicking up the most dust and sort of going into, you know, all of the, like, why are you doing this? Da, 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 right. That's because we're actually on the verge of something new and exciting. And um, that I think is such a great, know, I see that in coaching over and over, right? Like, because people are trying to kind of break through something. And at the moment before you break through, there's always the most, you know, it's just the hardest time. And that's the time when, when every part of your brain is telling you like, no, 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 go back, do what's safe, do what's familiar, you know, run away, run away, run away, like retreat. And, and to kind of, I think when we're aware of that, right. And the sword sort of helps us to say, okay, that's what's happening. And I can also, be aware that that's happening and keep moving through, right. And, and bring compassion for myself as I'm moving through that, um, rather than just say, okay, my brain is fighting with my intuition and like (laughs) one of them's going to win and one of them's going to lose. Right. Like it's, they're always, they're always in conversation. And I think for me, part of it is about bringing that conversation out of the realm of like active fighting, right. And into more of a like, okay, like, we have both of these things going on. How can we hold them? How can we make space for everything? And, and sort of, you know, let what what needs to come through, come through. Cause the, you know, that stuff needs to get worked through, right? Like it's coming up and out for a reason and that's also powerful, you know? And I think like when I was deciding if I wanted to, you know, keep trying to do the tenure track thing, it was like, Part of my brain, you know, it was like, you've, "But you put in so much time. How can you give up now?" Right, like, you know, all of these, all of these narratives that were actually ultimately keeping me from what I needed to do, which was actually like walk away and and do something different and and change, you know, not entirely walk away, but change my relationship to it um, in a way that was much more kind of gave me more freedom to to do what was what was actually in alignment.
1: This conversation is really reminding me, I don't know if you listened to our conversation with Roshni Patel, but she's a self-worth coach who combines tarot and coaching as well. And I it, yeah. yeah, go, go listen for sure. Awesome. Um, I think you would resonate with her. But one of the things that I did with her was I just asked her like some advice questions. Like if a person is in this situation, like what advice would you give? Yeah led to ask you like if there are people who are feeling like they want to make a departure from what they've been doing but their mind is telling them like you've invested so much and like you whatever like whatever the story might be for me one thing that I struggled with when I was first kind of integrating spirituality into my life was that there was a uh Narrative that you have to like subordinate your mind entirely and like learn how to like, you know, like that whole like feel the fear and do it anyway kind of thing that is just basically spiritual bypassing. And so, how would you advise someone who was in that situation without obviously encouraging them to just like shut their mind up and do the thing? You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. I mean. You know, to some degree, it, it, I'm like, is there a is there a blanket category of advice I can give without the specific without the specific person? But or, I guess to, what, no, like, no, no, no. Oh, sorry, go to. ahead.
1: Um, <laughs> if like as an alternative, um, the I think the way I may have phrased it was to Rajni was like, what questions would you encourage someone to ask themselves? Yeah, um, but. Like go for it, (laughs)
0: whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for me, one question that I always try to ask people is like, are you making a decision from a place of fear? Uh Because a lot of us ultimately make a lot of decisions from a place of fear, you know? And I think that, that the sunk cost- you know, thing, fallacy or whatever, right. Of, well, I've put in all of this, all of this time. And the fear is often that, you know, you don't want to feel like you've wasted your time and then feel like a failure or whatever. So I think that figuring out, you know, there are often decisions that can activate us. And we were like, we want to run away. Um, And sometimes we should run away. Right. But I think, and if, if that is coming from a place of you know, anxiety that is, um, that is based on something real, it's one thing, right? But if it's coming from, you know, something where there's a narrative that's created a sense of, oh, what are people going to say about this, right? What are people, you know, all of those kind of external things. um, I think that like, if you can kind of drill down and get to what's underneath it, um, that can be helpful, right? And I guess, you know, the flip side of like, are we making decisions from a place of fear is also, you know, how do we see like our actual greatest expansion, right? Or our greatest alignment. Cause there could be something that feels scary, like quitting your job or, you know, leaving your career, but it is actually in the service of your most aligned self or your most evolved self. And, you know, I think it can, it can be really hard to tease that apart of like, well, I feel scared, Is that fear, you know, actually legitimately like this is not what this is not for me or is that fear because it is for you and you are you are just having a reaction to it. So I think I think trying to ask, you know, where am I making this decision from a place of and what do I actually one of the questions I often ask clients, right, is when we're thinking about a particular thing. we don't necessarily want the thing itself, right? Like I didn't want actually the tenure track job. I wanted a feeling of like, you know, having a respectable profession and getting, you know, to make a difference in the world and, you know, all of those things, right? So I think if we can come back again to kind of like what's underneath it and is there, um, whenever we're making a decision, you know, what is the, what is the feeling that we're actually trying to achieve? And is that, you know, it might be something that feels scary at this time, but if ultimately we sort of can see, okay, but, but this is on the path to kind of getting to the place that I, that I want to be at where I, I feel more liberated. I feel more, you know, in alignment with my values, then, you know, then we can kind of recognize the anxiety that comes up as just, that's my limbic system telling me i'm afraid and then sometimes it's a time to do some inner child work and be like okay yes i know you're afraid how can we make you feel okay how can we support you on this right versus something that i think is is coming from a place of like no this is not actually in alignment for me um if you're able to i guess i don't know if i'm explaining this very well but but i think trying to kind of look at what's underneath it and, and what are the fears underneath it? And then are those fears legit, you know? Or are they these sort of social expectations? Um, you know, somebody, my mom's going to be disappointed in me. That, those kind of things, right? I don't know if that helps.
2: I think that's super helpful. I think I just went into like, oh my God, what am I deciding right now because of fear? Like, I was in my own head a little bit there. But I think that's a really helpful Thank you. Um, Would you like to share any offerings that um, may be coming up for our audience that wants to learn more about you and your work?
0: Um, Yeah, I am accepting um, one-on-one coaching clients. And I also offer tarot readings. Um, You can find out more on my website, which is anotherworldcoaching.com. And I have an upcoming workshop on Wednesday, December fifteenth, over Zoom called Joyful Abundance, How to Create a Life Worth Living. And this workshop developed out of conversations I've had with a number of coaching clients along with other friends and colleagues about how a lot of us struggle with the concept of abundance, both in terms of not feeling like we have enough abundance in our lives, but also questioning what abundance really looks like in a settler colonial capitalist society that thrives on scarcity. So this workshop focuses on reclaiming abundance as a key to both individual and collective liberation, really asking what it might look like to be anti-capitalist and pro-abundance. We will draw inspiration from several tarot archetypes that can help us to let go of scarcity mindset and invite more abundance into our lives, which also amplifies our ability to redistribute resources in alignment with our values. As I mentioned, the workshop will be hauled via Zoom on December 15th. It's 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, and I have a sliding scale starting at $22. You can find out more and register for the workshop on my website at anotherworldcoaching.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Another World Coaching
1: it sounds good this was so amazing always like let us know if there's anything we can do to, to support your work and to help get it out there because it, it sounds so magical and so important
0: oh thank you guys it was so fun to talk to you and thanks so
2: much for doing this thank you so much Have a wonderful rest of your day thanks you too thank you for listening to this episode of intuitive wellness if you enjoy this content please leave us a review on apple podcast Reviews really help us reach more people, and as a thank you for a review, we will gift you a free intuitive wellness meditation and journaling prompts to help you prioritize intuitive wellness in your life.
1: Before you hit post on your review, take a screenshot and submit it to the form in our show notes. We'll get back to you with your goods. Until next time, remember that healing yourself is activist.